0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We are doing this
1: every Tuesday. They need to come hang out with Mooch and the Mrs.
2: That is called fascism. Okay, he is a fascist leader. He's
1: his own worst enemy. He's creating his own problems. You know, he's like one of those people who can't get out of their own way.
2: I don't want to be one of those it's like kind of Trump um, haters. Okay, I just want to it. make... Everyone is a product of their upbringing and their personal loyalties. I'm a human being, and I probably got overtaken by the excitement of him winning. The minute you called me to say, boom, as soon as I got that, like, boom, I called you right back. Anyway, you, you, you lose she hit the me. argument.
1: All the ladies out there... My mother's
2: like, why are you cursing so much? I'm like, ma... Where do you think I learned it from?
1: We do this podcast. I go into the city. We have dinners together, or we'll travel. We spend time to be together as yes. a couple and a family, and as business partners. And I feel like it really helps us.
2: Do you still love me? I do. Okay. Do you still God. love me? Very much.
1: Okay. I don't know if you. Have, I mean, let's very much. Go my there.
2: liberal, hot wife. Very liberal. The girls. Very liberal. Okay. So, you know, we with the, the <laughs> last guest we had was a you know transgender woman. She's one of the first to come out. And so, you know, I was trying to pay attention. I got a little bit of attention deficit disorder. I was trying to pay attention. But now we got like a superstar sports guy. Not saying that she wasn't great. I thought okay. she was great, but they were talking about I mean, lip gloss and stuff. You know? Yeah. I mean,
1: no, we were
2: not.
3: <clears throat> I do not know much about oh. lip gloss. I wasn't
1: All talking right. about lip gloss. He's just okay, being but like. Okay, we got
2: <laughs> we got Trevor Moed in in the house, and so no,
1: pronounces cr- a name. Correctly. That's
2: fine. Moed. Moed. not good Moad, at marinating. Like, I'm not. I'm not good with names. I. I, I I grew up in a family of blue-collar people. No one read in the house. So I got to pick it all up later. But, yeah, but you're 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 running a sports. The CEO room. of
3: uh, Limitless Minds a joint venture with Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. and then the president of my own consulting group. But but basically, uh, work in the sport, military, and business world in and around you know helping. The, you know that area of, of mindset, mental conditioning. I, mean, I need you to
1: come to my house.
3: There's 25 I, names I need for it.
1: mental conditioning. Yeah, to live with this guy.
2: That's good. hello. Oh, I'm listening. I'm, just, I'm <coughs> transferring I'm money. You to my see if you know. my wife's spending. I'm transferring money. <laughs> okay, so, so so far
1: he said like three or four very annoying like feminist well, while
2: she's moving her microphone around I can start asking questions is that alright not
1: feminine like you've said misogynistic things
2: I have not said one misogynistic I was on the.
1: Thing. I was talking about lip gloss I'm spending your money like what the oh, hell
2: I wasn't talking, talking about, about one got? see go. why
1: I need you in you my know, house you know, I need I mental conditioning company,
2: right? we got like 80 people 10 billion under management I have to be the personnel director because this way, does any complaints, come to me Aunt, I'll tell you how This is it. the yeah. name of his book. There's two, they fuck off and shut up. And have what, get back what up. it okay, takes. The how to think
1: neutrally okay. and gain control of your life. All right, but, we but, need this book.
2: How'd you get into this, though?
3: Um, we your right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah we're, we're on. No,
2: we're
3: All rolling. right. You're rolling. Yeah. You're rolling. Fantastic. Uh, you know, it was interesting. Um, in the 60s and 70s, Um, there was sort of a big push and a big movement in and around um, the belief that you could psychologically develop people and and help them get better. Like you you could actually change or improve the way people think. You weren't endowed based upon the way you were raised or you were born. It was led by Norman Vincent Peale on the uh, the Christian side, and then you had Maxwell Maltz, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy – My father in the the mid-70s as a former high school basketball coach and teacher um, would eventually uh, join six other top coaches in Seattle, Washington, and they would actually leave coaching and education and go into consulting on the business side. Uh, These classes they were teaching in high school called personal enrichment principles like pep talks um, or increasing human effectiveness as part of the psychology or social sciences curriculums, um, they began to take to the Pacific Northwest and you had big companies like Boeing and IBM and, and you still have Starbucks and, and uh, uh, Nintendo and all those companies that were really dealing with this uh, unique business problem, which in, in the early 80s, in the late 70s, the average workday was eight and a half hours and the average employee productivity was four hours. And if an employee was dealing with an emotional challenge, financial distress, divorce, any of those issues, it would drop down to 1.5 hours of productivity per day. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at 17% efficiency and the business world really got ahead of this and said, we need to figure out a way to, to help our employees think and or feel better about the challenges they're facing. So when they step in our building at Boeing or wherever, they're, they're more they equipped focus. to deal with yeah. life. Right. So I was you know born in the mid seventies and and my dad had left coaching and I was raised in this really unique environment where he was a full time peak performance educator motivational architect you know and and had these systems um and, you know, by four years old, I was, you know, had uh, uh, affirmative reminders and affirmations, which were basically... Wow, he
1: was forward. That's really forward thinking. Ad campaigns.
3: And I would listen yeah, to Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy every night. They played waves that had uh, subliminal thinking. I don't know if any of it worked, but... Uh, no, seriously. But...
1: Do you think it worked? So Tell me the let's truth. Let's talk about I want to know so if works. I'm sorry. Wait, I want to know. Do you think it had a positive impact on you?
3: You know, it, it, it's interesting Um as we talked sort of in the beginning, I, I've never really believed in the growth of this industry. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think it had a significant impact, but I, I think I was—I went to a good prep school and was a good good high school athlete and went to Occidental College in Los Angeles uh, where President Obama went to school and, and Jack Kemp. That's an interesting one. Um, but I went there and, and I, I think I, I think I had a good mentality and a good mindset right, your because
1: disposition. of how,
3: how I was raised. Right. Yeah, but um, I, I don't I still think I looked at it optionally, you know, kind of like nutrition. Can I eat? Can I not? I, I don't think I recognized the power of my thinking, the power of my language, the mm-hmm. power of, of my words. And, until I was 18 and I, I, I just finished my first college basketball season, I was rushing the SAE fraternity and, um, you know, I had a rash break out. I figured the fraternity brothers had found some way to engineer a rash for me or something. <laughs> and, uh, Put something but, in your laundry. Yeah, but uh uh, 12 hours later, I'm at Huntington was that, Memorial. Was that stress,
2: the rash break? Uh,
3: well, it was a, a number of things, but but 12 hours later, I'm in Huntington Memorial Hospital in Pasadena, California. This is 1994. I'm 17, 18 years old. After eight hours of testing, I go to like a side room, and, and they sit me down and, and say, based upon what's going on with my immune system and my white blood cell counts, which I don't know anything about, um, they thought at that point I had cancer. Oh, God. So at 18 years old, and there's no education or uh, about it in, in the 90s, you know, I mean, now you have the pink ribbons and strong against cancer and all these things. So the only thing I knew at that time when I heard that was anybody I knew who had it had died. Mm-hmm. And so they, and the doctor was great. And he said, um, you know, listen, this isn't the type of news you give your parents, you know, at 17 years old on the phone. Where are you from? I said, Seattle. And they said, well, you need to fly home and, and sit your parents down and tell them. So... At that point, um, I flew out of Burbank and I get to Seattle. Well, this is pre cell phone. So I didn't tell my parents what the issue was. I just said I need to come home. I get home about 11 o'clock at night and uh, my parents overslept and I kept trying to call them, but I had a calling card so it wouldn't work unless they answered. Oh
1: my God. And calling so cards, I was
3: yeah. stuck at baggage claim number 19 for six hours, you know, at, at 18 years old. And I always tell people at that point, all of those. Uh, affirmative reminders, all the things that I learned, everything for the first time in my life became very them. real yeah. because you're no sicker the day after a diagnosis like that than you are the day before, but you feel different,
1: right? Yeah. Right.
3: And, and your thinking does not become optional. And this is the issue. This is probably the biggest issue that faces this field. There's no efficacy that can prove that positive thinking works. And to me, this push and this, this force of, of telling people to be positive is why the field's never never grown. Um, but while there's no efficacy around positive thinking, the efficacy around negative thinking and negative language is very clear. From the Mayo Clinic to the Cleveland Clinic to every place, all the data that negative thinking and negative language works negatively. Mm-hmm. And it's almost a multiple of four to seven times more powerful than positivity. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it was a risk calculator. All right. Well, I, I'm not going to go that way. So I applied that to the rest of my life, and and for the 24, 25 years, I've lived with that sense of urgency that I probably wish I would have known at four. Um, and, and I think it's allowed me to teach this, and it's allowed me to to sort of survive at Florida State and Alabama and Fort Bragg and all these different places because to me it's not debatable that the mind can be a force multiplier for anybody. Mm-hmm um it it really was just a matter of uh so I I really leaned back Deirdre I, th- I think I went back to that training when I was uh called to do it I think sort of like this you know karate kid you have wax on wax off and you say why am I doing this right I think at 18 it was like this is why right because I was uniquely equipped to handle it and um so and, and you, live a little bit differently that you
1: were actually sick? Were
3: you sick? So I dropped out. Of, so I dropped out of college, um, and I had three different opinions. Uh, the first two were the same. They thought I, I had a form of cancer. The third diagnosed me with shingles, mm-hmm. um, which is rare to get at eighteen, and uh, ulcerative colitis, and a number of other physiological breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they wanted no to re- autoimmune? Re- autoimmune yeah. deficiencies, and, okay. and so they brought me back uh, uh, three months later, and um, uh, I was healthy which was, and I had to take a year off of sports, so I did theater and music and other things um, at Occidental, but uh, yeah, it was a really, um, I was better, and and so for me, what I always say is that six hours is what changed my life, Mm -hmm. you know, just just the fact that it became real, but it also gives me unique empathy on why the field hasn't really grown, why people don't buy in, because... I had a what dad. What was the There's ultimate
2: no... diagnosis, though, that you just had shingles and Yeah, I had no...
3: some autoimmune challenges, shingles, yeah. and ulcerative so then, colitis. So you were
2: able to get through that, and you changed your diet, I guess, on the colitis. Changed my diet, and...
3: went on medication, yeah. you know, got better, and... Right. and and Slept. so you
1: probably weren't sleeping, you know, rushing a fraternity, they like torture you. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. I was
3: like anybody. I and got then mono, everyone I, I was sick. at yeah. You know, yeah. and then I was like way over index. Occidental had all those Phillips Academy in Berkshire, and I, I'm like straight blue He's collar, sick. hustle, grit. You know, I, I was, you know, just outflanked by everybody outside of, you know, my effort. So I ultimately hung in there and went to undergrad and graduate school there. And But uh, yeah, so... It, it, it's a unique level of engineering. I'm grateful for the way I'm engineered, but um, it's been an interesting world to teach in this this field of mental conditioning. So you
2: mentioned a couple of authors, and so you know, I I grew up in a blue collar family. My dad was a laborer, hourly worker, and so I have read those two authors. I've read Og Mandino, and if you remember him, yeah, Og Mandino. I, 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 I used had, to you know, listen to his audio. Nor, Norman Vincent Peale, the whole yep. notion in the '50s, power positive thinking. Yep. Napoleon Hill, yes. Grow rich, Dale Carnegie, yep. uh, And obviously, the grandfather, founding father of self improvement books, Benjamin Franklin, of the autobiography. My favorite Benjamin Franklin book is not the autobiography of Ben Franklin. What's my favorite (laughs) Benjamin Franklin book? Fart proudly. Fart proudly, (laughs) and I'm going to send you a copy (laughs) of the book, okay? Because your husband farted in his mouth. (laughs) It's not his most popular book because people don't know it, but I'm going to get it for you on Amazon. I'm going to send it to you. Hopefully they don't tell me that tonight at open school. So there's there's a very famous scene where John Adams and Ben Franklin are stuck in Paris together and the continental government doesn't have any real money. And so they're shacked up together in a room and it's freezing out. And Franklin was loaded up with gas. He was like a human propane tank, and he's blowing the he's blowing the room up. Okay, and so John Adams is opening the window, and they're freezing. They both had a cold the next morning. Oh, geez. so as a result of this inspiration, he wrote a book called "Far Proudly." Ripping it was, instant, it was an instant bestseller. But the reason I'm bringing this yeah. up to you is that like that is the bedrock of American self improvement for a blue collar kid. Mm-hmm. That is a body of literature. That helps propel kids like you and me into the American dream if they really believe they can do it. Yes, right. Because you know, and I know, the word confidence is from Latin, confidos. Mm-hmm. It means with trust. So if you have self-confidence, you trust in yourself. You can shoot the target. Well, me a I mean, give me the gun. I'm going to shoot the target. Okay, and right? it's.
3: I mean, and ultimately, it's. You know, I'm a big believer in in behavior is being more powerful than emotions. No question you know at at a really young age um you know i'm at home and i'm i'm watching the super friends remember in the 80s really good cartoon and (laughs) uh my my dad comes up and and i if i mow the lawn on saturdays i get 15 dollars um but a lot of times i didn't want to mow the lawn so so i think i'm 11 and uh he says he walks by and says hey mow the lawn today if you feel like it and then walks out the door i'm right into the super friends and I don't feel like it. And, and three minutes later, he comes back in and says, and make sure you feel like it. And then walks out. And at 11, that teach taught me a lesson that you can make yourself feel like doing anything by doing it. Mm-hmm. And halfway through mowing the lawn, I was grateful that I was doing it and I was going to get the $15 Great and I story. could go to AMC and I could go to, you know, all those elements. And I think that what the sports world is, it, it's interesting. I was uh, at a major pharmaceutical company today um, in and around the, the the limitless minds that Russell Wilson and, and I are involved in, and um, you know it's it's always uh, an interesting you know sort of an environment when you step into this coming from the sports world. You know, like you're a sports guy. Well, sports is the ultimate EBITDA based business. You know, in in my origins of of watching the beginning of the Alabama Empire and the Florida State Empire and what what Kirby Smart's doing at the University of Georgia the best are promoted and if you don't win almost 30% of our coaches are fired every year mm-hmm. right so so you know your past performance is, is is your own standard which you have to constantly live up to and and so i remind people that you know these these maybe they're 150 or 200 million dollar empires but the NFL is 14 billion and 11 billion comes from ad revenue and sales and they're big businesses mm-hmm. so when you work in that world um, and i've been fired 3 times you know, uh, in and around just being with teams and the coaches get cleaned out. And uh, you know, I was my last time was uh, working for Michigan when we, you know, Ohio State, and it basically happened right after we lost to Ohio State. So that measure of uh, of winning and success is so important. But this is one of the interesting points that I hope to I, make. I, I've is, been
2: fired a few times too, Trevor. Some of them famously, you, like, know, I've a you of in, yeah, Infancy. yeah. I,
3: well, I, I live. Uh, behind the scenes but 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 i believe in the idea of the aggregate of marginal gains you know like, like a great organization is built on taking if if anthony uh works with me or for me and he's really talented how do i make him better because you're only going to win in the sports world when your best players perform at the highest level mm-hmm. so do you and,
2: consult the corporations
3: yes yes and we're, and we're limitless
1: we're, minds is, right. we're, we're yeah.
3: really trying to move more into that and, it, and that happened kind of fascinating because i so Russell Wilson's an interesting he's from Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he played we, at NC we met State.
2: Him, babe, at the uh celebrity uh fight night.
1: Yeah, he's really nice. nice and guy. I like his wife. She's twice super
2: very nice. Yep, and, and, people, and, people, yeah. and
3: you know, so he's he's five ten, he doesn't fit Many of the physiological metrics that are true metrics of right. sports, and you have to, metrics right. are, and analytics are important.
2: I hate the Patriots. That one damn pass. I mean, that was a bummer. You know, we were on. Like well, you know, and and,
3: and, in, and in the book, we we talk about that moment because actually, in the final two minutes of that game. 124 million people were watching that final two minutes. Oh, it man. eclipsed Mash as the highest televised moment in the history of the United States. Oh,
1: the last episode of Mash. That, right? the, yes, yeah. the last episode of right. Ma- uh,
3: MASH, Mash was before that. I think it was 111 million. Right. But this particular moment, and you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, how does somebody get through something like that? And I always knew that he's uniquely built. We believe that while there's Negative thinking works negatively, and positive thinking is a tough sell. We we really focus in the deep sports world on this idea of neutral thinking, and being a neutral thinker, which I think this country could really benefit from, is when something doesn't go your way, it's real. Mm -hmm. It that did not go my way, okay, or it did go my way. I played really well, or I didn't. Um, But what happens next is not a feeling. It's it's what I do. And and it's two separate pieces. The problem with positive thinking is for many people, it requires a quick, uh, a, a, such a dramatic shift, like that didn't happen. Just be positive.
1: Right. But you know, like it did. denial almost. Right. right? Yeah. You know,
3: it did. Mm-hmm. So, so when, when you know that it happened, you've got to accept because I did A, B and C, this happened. However... No well, matter the or most when sim- bad
2: things happen to you that are not even your fault, Or are not or even your
3: fault, fault. And, and 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 even even the most cynical Had assholes are going to understand neutral thinking because I don't care who you are, no matter what just happened. Nobody can tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. Nobody can tell me what's going to happen at your parent teacher conference tonight. Whatever happens is going to be <laughs> more based me upon either. what you do. Right. And so this idea of neutral is distinguishing that the past is not predictive. Mm-hmm. Your new behavior. Can change it, mm-hmm. and and so Russell is one that that lived in that moment and stood up and said. They said, "Hey, Pete Carroll said that throw was his fault." He said, "The ball was in my hand; it was my fault." I remember, and and he stood up there. But when ten days after he sends me a text message, I need to he- hit the reset button. This needs to be my best off season ever. Mm-hmm. Well, that was what was in our control. We went down to to Rancho Santa Fe in San Diego and put together an incredible offseason and he followed that moment with the best season of his career Mm -hmm. 34 touchdowns 7 interceptions and we had a really clear plan as to to how to do that and his ability to stay neutral which was to own it is what allowed him a year earlier to have the Super Bowl he won it and then the next year to deal with losing it. Mm-hmm. And as Jeter would always say, you you you've got to be willing to step up and strike out if you're going to ever have an opportunity you, to step up. You
2: were up there, baby when Russell and, won it. And hit no, I beam. know, I remember. Yeah, it was like, here in New York. We MetLife Stadium.
1: Yeah. yeah, we watched it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Obviously, of course I remember so that. So, I How did you hook up with Russell? How did you guys meet? So,
3: <laughs> so after I graduated from college, I was, you know, put my hand at at Pro soccer and and it was eight hundred bucks a Is that month. Why you and were I,
1: in the LA Galaxy. Yeah, I've got
3: my LA Galaxy yeah. shirt on. Um, but uh, y- you know, I was a high school teacher in LA Unified School District. Just and then trying to play. Um, uh, my girlfriend at the time went to SC. We we were up in the mountains in Pasadena and got chased chased by a bunch of uh, some gang ritual. and We were like, it's time to get out of LA.
1: Oh my god! And my
3: roommate pretty- had been traded to this team called the Miami Fusion in uh, Miami. So we got teaching jobs in Delray Beach, Florida. Um, and as I was teaching and coaching, I was 22 years old, uh, and we, uh, I went to a coaching clinic at Nick Bollettieri's Tennis Academy, mm-hmm. the famous tennis coach mm-hmm. in Bradenton, Florida. And uh, I heard the director of sports psychology speak, and I didn't really know what it was, but I was sort of raised in this environment that lent itself well to that. And uh, I said, this is what I got to do. I like teaching social sciences, but I'd rather teach athletes. You know, in around peak performance. I wrote like ten letters, harassed the guy. My dad flew out. We went up and got the, (laughs) and then I got a job. I took a pay cut from teaching to go work there, and then I spent twelve years there. And it was I knew when I got there, and I'm sure Anthony can relate. It was the type of environment where I knew if I could make it here, I was going to make it. Right. And if I wasn't, then I wasn't good enough, and I'd go back to doing something different. Right. And and you know, by 24, I'm dealing with Drew Brees and Chris Winkie and Steve Hutchinson and Michael Johnson and Patrick Rafter and Tommy Haas. And I didn't deserve to be around any of those people, but but I, I had hustle. And, and found a way to add value in and around the athletic world.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: I'm I'm not going to ask any specific names, no players. I'm just going to give you a case study. Okay. Uh, A guy's playing second base. He has hit the first baseman his entire life.
1: Oh, are you talking? Oh. I'm not
2: giving any names. Okay. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he's catching the, the ball, block. ground ball second base. He's throwing it into the stands. Mm-hmm. There's another guy, he's dead on control pitcher, but can throw 100 miles an hour. Okay. And all of a sudden, his mechanics are perfect and the ball's moving at 100 miles an hour, but he can't hit the plate. Yeah. Or there's a situation in basketball where the kid is a perfect shooter. But then all of a sudden something happens, and you're not old enough maybe to remember, this or maybe you are. There were three seconds left. It was the early '80s. Maybe you remember Jordan wanted the ball. He told Scottie Pittman, "Pass me the goddamn ball." There's three seconds left. He's at the top. That was of the in the game.
1: '80s and '90s. Was it the '90s? Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but I'll Jordan never forget P- it. I don't.
2: Yes. I'm bad with the time They're and place, but I remember the, the moment. Yeah. yeah. He took that ball. Whoosh, and he stuck it right in the hoop. Right. Okay. And we know that these people are very talented and they didn't lose it, to your point about disease, the kid didn't lose his talent from one inning to the next or one batter to the next, what happens?
3: So it's interesting, I, I would begin my career working for Tom Coughlin at the Jacksonville Jaguars. That sort of gave me that opportunity.
2: Yeah, love him by the and,
3: way. And, and one of the things that, that ended up becoming his uh, yeah. developmental model for drafting athletes um, was this idea that there are four levels of competency. And I think this goes, uh, Anthony, to what you're talking about. Um, a lot of people start out at this first level, which is unconsciously incompetent.
2: All right. This is the first podcast I'm taking notes. Okay, just go ahead.
3: They start out uh, unconsciously incompetent, which means the, the the athlete, the person doesn't know that they don't know. It's very difficult to help somebody that doesn't know that they don't know. Right. Okay, that sounds like me in the White House. Okay,
2: That could have been my entire 11 days. <laughs> I should have titled the book Unconsciously Incompetent. Okay, okay, okay Let's and, and, go to the next
3: one. And, and so this next phase, which sounds equally funny, but was really important, is consciously incompetent. And a great parent, a great educator, a great coach, a great teacher allows that person to recognize, I have a problem. I've got a challenge. I'm not good dribbling the ball to my left. I'm not good holding onto the ball. I'm not good in this particular prote- uh, protection. Or this is something I need to get better. I mean, ultimately, what a doctor does is make us... Consciously incompetent. They give us a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we've done anything with it, but we know. At least by knowing, we can change it. Now, a, a lot of great athletes that will deal with it. the places I'm at are unconsciously competent, and I think this gets to your point. Unconsciously competent is when people have a, soul, a lot of success, right? no, okay? Okay. but they're not really sure why. Okay. Yeah. You know, they might say, they might say, "Hey, Deirdre, you were unbelievable this quarter, just in terms of your pipeline, the business, everybody you're talking to, your close rate. What do you attribute that to?" It's, I have no idea, man. neap tide. Uh, you know, I have no. <laughs> I mean, and the problem with that is obvious, right? You can't repeat it. Right. So what happens to some of these uh, athletes? And I've dealt with them. I've dealt with lefties that are, you know, six eight. And when you're lefty and six eight, you should be able to pitch for the rest of your life um, if you throw in the mid nineties. And then it just all of a sudden. It goes. And so you really have to get back to when you were successful. Why were you successful? And I, I helped re-engineer a pitcher who's a great pitcher now and has had a great career. And it literally was was when we were coming back, we just started throwing out on a football field. So he didn't feel like he was on a baseball field and throwing in a basketball gym and then gradually kind of moving. But then he was able to identify when I pitch, this is what I do. And I think what's happened to some of these guys, whether it's a knob or whether it's some of these different types of people, um, that, that understanding, that connection of this is what I need to do to make this happen and be consciously competent, which means I know and I know that I know. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you're looking for uh, in an athlete. And like a Russell Wilson, consciously competent doesn't mean you're great, doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means you have a process and you know how to follow it. Right. This is when I wake up, okay, uh, I do yoga, I listen to this type of music. Like For example, negativity doesn't exist in Russell Wilson's world. Right In so, any
1: aspect of his life. In
3: any aspect that he can control. Right. So when I was raised, what I didn't understand until later, but uh, we weren't allowed to watch the news in my household. Like, we could watch the sports and we could watch the weather. But my uh, I wasn't allowed to say the word can't or listen to country music.
1: Can I tell you something? So yesterday, we have a five-year-old. He just started kindergarten. What's his name? Nicholas. Nicholas. And he asked me this question. He looked me dead in the eye. He got off the bus. This was the first thing he said to me. He asked, Mom, is I can't do it a bad word? Interesting. And I said, well, did your teacher tell you that or something? And he said, they did. They said, I can't do it is a bad word. But I never knew that was a bad word. And so I explained to him that it's obviously not a curse word, but they're saying that it's something that you shouldn't think because then you're going to tell yourself you can't do something that you should... Probably try. I'm
2: glad and, they said that to
1: him. Right, yeah. but cool. he was so confused about it. But anyway, they they're getting into this kind of in well it, It's, which it's is a self-imposed
3: limitations. I mean, li- right. limits are real, but the self-imposed ones are the most challenging ones. And wh- what I think is unique uh, about Russell is he knows he's not six four. He knows that there's physiological requirements that he might not meet. Right,
2: so that's one of the things I have to work on. I have to realize that I'm not 6'4". Okay, <laughs> work on that, okay? You have well, to be
3: consciously
1: conscious. But, I, but,
3: but, but I, think the, I think the point is, what's the real goal for any of us to use the gifts that we have? And, and so many people that I've crossed paths with in my life don't make it, not because of who they are, but because of who they think they're not. And, and 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 if you are what oh, you do yeah. then when you don't you aren't
1: I get that that resonates and right?
3: it's and, no but I, I think this is probably in my opinion because negativity is the most powerful force on the planet and some of the military units I'm at really teach the, the special operations community how to understand what they're consuming so if it's MSNBC, CNN, Fox or whatever. This is what you're watching cuz all the data is 3 minutes for example, 3 minutes of news in the morning increases your probability by 27% that you're going to say you had a shitty day. Really? So, it and, wow. and but a lot of it comes down to education. Hmm. Like everyone says, well, what makes a great athlete? I'll tell you this, a great athlete more times is what they don't do or what they don't watch or what they don't say or what they don't listen to than what they do do. I get it. I believe that.
1: I get it. And and, yeah, and, and
3: the discipline, that's where I think, uh, like when I was down in, in, in uh, North Carolina and, and talking to a command sergeant major and he's explaining this to me is, we don't mind what our guys watch. A lot of times if they want something agnostic, it's got to be the BBC. But they if they're going to watch something, they have to watch it responsibly like they're watching House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Because the goal of a news organization is entertainment. And they're responsible to their advertising buyers and the people investing them more so than the people. I'm not saying what's right or wrong, but I'm saying if, you, if our country learned how to consume information, right? If you're going through a, a, a personal challenge in your life and you're listening to Jake Owen and Sam Hunt, I love those dudes. They're down a lot of our football games, but you're going to want to go play in traffic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's times in your life where you can't bring that into you. And that's where someone like Russell is going to listen to Hillsong United. He's going to listen to uh, uh, house fires or more spiritual music because of the chord progressions, because of all of the, you know, and, and he's understanding. I'm going to keep that out. I've got enough things I'm facing when I'm going up against Jadavian Clowney. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what, um, and, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here, but we have built our, our mental conditioning program around the minimization of negativity. Negativity's most powerful carrier is our own language. When I say something out loud, it's 10 times more powerful than when I think it. I don't even try to change people's internal thoughts. Everybody's all over the place. I've been with them before Grand Slam finals. I've been with them before Super Bowls. I've been with them before national championships. It's okay that your inner thoughts are all over the place because they're unformed. But when you say it out loud, it's 10 times more powerful, and it could be a multiple four to seven times more powerful, according to Harvard, if it's negative. So if I say today's going to be another one of those days... I may have increased the probability by 40 to 70 times. So I
1: need to have brought my mother onto if, this
3: podcast. Well, but, <laughs> if, but if I just not said it, but what happens I mean, is people know. say, uh, Deirdre- not the only family member, by the way. But if people say, Deirdre Anthony, be positive. Well, people people are like, fuck you mm-hmm. to be positive. But if Being we learn how control? to not be negative, <laughs> right. that's, right. that's, be that's the control. game changer, excuse right. my language, but that's do, the do game you work changer.
2: work with like 20 year old kids that are trying to get into the music industry? What's that? It's interesting now I mean, that I'm living in Southern everything. California. My son is okay. 20 years old. He's trying to break into the music. Yeah. He's, he's actually, I, I think he's talented. He's my kid, so of course I think he's talented. But he's got to work on the positive. Uh,
1: but that's everybody. Well, he's
2: probably got to work more on the neutral. Well, More on the neutral, but he does say some negative. He does verbalize some negative stuff. I'm like, dude, don't do that. Don't say that. You know, just,
3: just, But but you know? this is the thing. Like, It's crazy, but I've watched it in, in, in so many situations. Just by removing the negative if you never did or even told to ever be positive but removing the externalization of negative your life would change dramatically
2: okay so i'm on the pitches man yes i'm throwing 100 miles an hour yep i can see it and 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 i'm but i'm missing the strike some mm-hmm. okay but it's a big important game you're coming to the mound to talk to me what are you going to say to me right you well, took a little break yeah i got the rosin bag in my hand you are walking up to me now what yeah. do you say to me
3: well, the the there's basic fundamentals of thinking, and the one thing we know is that any given moment you can only sustain one thought at a time, right? Now you can you can you can get it from the outside where I say, Anthony, don't think of a pink elephant or something. Your mind immediately goes there, right? But what Did you, ever you
2: read any Dennis Waitley's books, Psychology yes. of Winning, yeah.
3: yeah. But but what you tell yourself, but but I learned a lot of this. The great thing is like from Michael Johnson when when yeah. when when he decided to wear the gold shoes in '96. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay his mindset around the things that he focused on, I, I'll never forget, uh, we, we had 16 guys getting ready for the, the draft, and Drew Brees asked Michael Johnson you know, a question about goal setting. And right, in this, the, the mainstream psychology world, everybody's gotta be from Harvard, everybody's gotta be from UPenn, everybody. Like, athletes don't look at right. things that way. Like, oh, you went to Penn, great. Martin like, Selling, we, You, right you now, know, you I mean, I get it, that yeah. the regular, like, mm-hmm. does it make sense? Are you helping me do simple better? Right. Okay, so Michael said, to your point, the most powerful thing that I've ever heard. And he said, uh, you know, how do you set goals? I mean, were you taught it? And and Michael said, have you ever been to Safeway? So what do you mean, the grocery store? I said, yeah. Yeah, I've been to Safeway. And he said, have you ever walked into Safeway and not wrote down the things you needed? He said, yeah. He said, have you ever walked down into Safeway and wrote down the things you need? He said, yeah. Michael says if I write down six things I'm in and out of Safeway in 8 minutes. I'll 8, I'll 11, I'll 15, I'll 17, I'm out. If I don't write it down, it takes me three times the amount of time. I'm in aisle 8 and saying, "Why am I on aisle 8? I have all this anxiety." Can you
2: come to Target with us on Sunday <laughs> and you just to, just bring, bring But but you I mean it's family?
3: but but that's the point like when w- a great athlete can explain it in grocery shopping list. Right. Right. there's Because we're teleological. So that pitcher needs to know location, low and away, the specific elements, uh, hand placement, uh, a hitter, drive the ball down the middle. uh, uh, Serena, accelerate the racket head. Right. It's in the simplicity. And as I remind myself that a word is three dimensional and that three dimensional picture affects my emotional state. Right, so, so when you, I'm driving, so the words it's in one, my
2: mind—it's one thought. It's one. It's, it's simplifying
3: thought. the thought. That's right. what, and and as a as a coach, you can influence them as a parent. But this is the other point, so, Anthony. You're only one tenth as powerful as that pitcher. The power is with him or her. They have the power, so they've got to know what to think about. So
2: when I'm sitting on the couch at night praying for my
3: closer to hit the strike zone, so it's not helping. I'm just
2: asking I, for a friend.
3: I'm just asking for a friend. I, <laughs> I believe in collective consciousness, right? <laughs> Princeton studies it, that that the collective consciousness of it a country can raise people up or can bring people down like right. the whole thing around the Cubs. Right. Uh, but one more point on the language thing um everybody knows bill buckner he recently passed away and he was a a, a great first baseman for the boston red sox now he famously in 1986 led to Mm -hmm. a great moment for you anthony where i remember like it was yesterday where um, you know in 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 the ninth inning uh, inning. mookie wilson hits the the ground ball and it goes through his legs well everybody knows what happened and ultimately the mets would go on to win the world series but in 19 uh well in 2011 somebody found an old interview that had resurfaced in 1995 from Boston where where uh, Buckner was interviewed 12 days before the World Series. And he said, you know, the, the the dream I have is to win, but my real nightmare is to let the game-winning run score on a ground ball oh through my, my God. legs. And the first time I saw oh that, no.
1: I just got goosebumps.
3: And, and, and the first time I saw that, it really reinforced to me what we already know, the power of what we say out loud. Right plants in the subconscious and that's why what we watch and listen to and consume so so just by not saying that who knows if it would happen maybe it would wouldn't but by saying it he's increasing the probability Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's why i think it you have 80 employees you manage 10 billion dollars the language of how your organization speaks to each other how they look at success and or adversity is really the lifeblood of your organization.
2: Well, or any organization. Or any organization. A political organization, an athletic organization, a money management organization, or a podcast. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. So I, I, look, I mean, I had to teach all this stuff to myself. I mean, I had great mentors and great everything, but like when I growing up. You figured I, it out. I had to figure it out. And like the thing I learned, and I'd love to share your reading list, and I'll obviously share yeah. mine with you. But the thing I learned is the language matters. Yes. So as an example, she's heard me say this a hundred times. You don't work for me at Skybridge. I'm the founder and managing partner. You work with me. Yes. A very, very big difference between for and with. Now we're collaborating and I'm providing you autonomy and partnership. Yes. Very, very important. It's not my firm. It's our firm. And we are doing this. Right. And my old boss, who's now deceased, he was an amazing guy. My first book, I started it out with his most repetitive quote. You know what he said, Trev? Hmm. He says, Some people grow and other people swell. (laughs) You better figure out early who you are. Yeah. You know, because as you're growing, you don't want to be swelling. Right. Right? And it's a beautiful line, you know. And so like you have to always put yourself in that humble position. The other thing is her dad was worked in the parking attendant business. My father was a laborer. My grandmother was a mate. So you come into my space, you come into my life, we are equal. Yeah. Okay? Because you could be my grandmother. Okay. When I'm in a, she sees me taking, you see these These are Italian singles. You see those they have Ben <laughs> Franklin on them. See them? I love those, them. Those are Italian singles. Okay. She sees me in the hotel rooms dropping these everywhere because that could be my grandmother. Yeah. That's making that bed. You see that? Yep. And so if you think and you act like that, you're here to surf. Yeah. Okay? And that's a very big difference. And that's why the people at Skybridge, they stay. And that's why it's fifteen years old in a very rough and tumble, very cyclical business. We figure it out. Right. You know? So and, you're and, you're 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 doing I can tell from your spirit, you're doing exactly what you were. Yeah, you love it. Obviously, do, yeah. you have a lot of so passion. God, God bless Very passionate. You for that. But before we let you go, can Wait, we talk two ta- minutes about the book? Yeah, or, that's
1: what or, I, yeah. I want to talk and about, and talk then about also the about having. I mean, how do people find you if they want you to speak at their, you know, a corporate event or, yeah, or something it, like that?
3: It, it, it's interesting, um, and this is this is why I'm with Jay Connolly and in the group. Um, in the world I've I've been sort of worked in, I've I've never had social media, and it never really mattered in sports. People kind of know who it, you know is. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity to, to do a book came um, from Harper Collins. They'd just finished Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dog. And they'd, uh, Russell Wilson and I had done a TV show when John Gruden left to coach the Raiders uh, for sort of followed him up, and we did five episodes on ESPN. And it was the first time sort of a mental conditioning or advisor of, of my role had been there. And Russell really fought ESPN. He said, hey... Um, is important as important as all the physical elements for these quarterbacks entering the draft, their psychological architecture is going to be every bit as important. Um, so that kind of opened some doors. I didn't really have a back end, but um, um, you know, now since I've sort of made the decision, um, Maria Shriver had, had called me, um, Maria Shriver out of Los Angeles. And I remember when I got the message, I was like, Maria Shriver? And I was sort of kind of knew who she was, and so I called uh, an IMG agent, I worked for IMG, Max Eisenbud, and I said, what does Maria want? So, and he represents Maria Sharapova, mm-hmm. and I'd known Sharapova forever. And then he's like, I, I'll let me check. And then he said, hey, you know, she says, hey, hello, but she never called you. So I look at my assistant and I was like, Maria Shriver, like Mary Donald Schwarzenegger called me? And so um, she was coming out to Scottsdale and she wanted to meet with me, and I was you know, okay, and then I, I couldn't do it, so we ended up meeting uh, in Los Angeles. Did she end up calling you?
2: She didn't call yes, Yeah, she did no, call. she had called oh, me and she meet. wanted to meet and right. and,
3: and so we, we went down. I'll never forget, I go to Brentwood, I go to her offices and, she, you know, just a kind of a cool place, all white. Um, I obviously, uh, like anybody, you know, is, is has an understanding of who the Kennedys are mm-hmm. and uh, so she walks in the room, probably the second most intimidating initial meeting I had probably since Nick Saban um, and She said, you know, you had a really difficult time finding you. And um, she says, you know, you don't have social media, you don't have any of these different types of things. And I said, well, uh, and she says, I run this program called Architects of Change, and what I've seen that you're doing in the sports world, you're serving 150 athletes, and they're the best in the world at what they do, but you have a voice that's built for 150 million people. And I was, I was, like, stunned, and I I didn't agree with it, and I, I I never even thought that way. And then... We spent three hours together and I did, you know, a Facebook live and a few things with her, just in and around thinking and neutral and just a different way of thinking about it mm-hmm. and, and speaking about it. And that really, a month later, I was kind of like, man, a Kennedy just asked me to serve, mm-hmm. you know, and I had never even thought about like going out and being like a, a thought, you know, I didn't even know what it was. A thought so, leader, probably. a thought leader yeah. and, 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 and then when you're in sports and Anthony could understand this, As big as it is and you're on the sideline, these national championships and all these things, you're still marginalized because the athletes are consumer-facing. The coaches are consumer-facing. You work at the service of them. You're on the edge of greatness. Mm -hmm. So obviously you have this level, if you can make it there, if you can make it at these programs where there are no self-help people. So I I take pride in that, but you never think of yourself as exceptional. Mm -hmm. At least I never did. Mm -hmm. So it was a really weird duality, but started my mind down that road and... And then ultimately, Harper Collins would come to us and and uh, make the offer for the book. Uh, Alan Zucker, a New York agent, would get the deal done. And and so now I have social media, at Trevor Mowad, okay. T-R-E-V-O-R-M-O-A-W-A-D. And uh, I've had Instagram now for six weeks. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, we're, you're a we're... What's your
2: Instagram handle, same? At yeah, at Trevor, at trevor Mowad, Mowad. And
3: then Twitter's at Trevor, M o a w a d, And... I've hired a great PR firm. Yeah, they're um, the best. They're right. the best. And and Maria Menunos, who I met at the Super Bowl, had connected yeah. me to, to them. And she had had her own uh, adversity that she had been going through. And and uh, so we, we got to spend some time. I did her podcast with her and her uh, husband, yep. uh, Kevin. And uh, that was super cool. This has been super cool. So now the, the goal is really, you know... Can we help more people? Yeah, and I think
1: you definitely can, well, and that's
3: no that's our goal. I got some great I,
2: ideas for you. Yeah, so we'll talk, we do. We'll
1: talk so that's offline. why I wanted yeah. to know. Yeah. How Thank you. To guys. So I got to talk
3: but. about some specific
2: athletes with specific names. <laughs> <laughs> no. Offline. Offline. No my, way. My wife paid me the biggest compliment on Sunday after the Jet loss. She goes, You really care about this team. You, 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 I can feel yeah. the pain. Five
1: hours later, he was still talking about well, the man, loss. I can't I believe was they, like...
2: they were up 16 0. You were know what? 17-16. I had both those quarterbacks last
3: year for ESPN's Draft Academy uh, uh, Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. Yeah. I'm a big Sam no, Darnold no, no, believer. B too. He's,
2: a, he's, a, he's a tough kid.
3: I'm a big I love believer. the
2: kid. I love where the team's going. I didn't like where they were on Sunday. I got to yeah. be honest. Well, Fair enough. But that's
3: where Thank it is, you for being here with us. All right, we're definitely
1: going to get your book. So we'll, we'll promote it on our, our uh, social media also. Awesome. So, Thank you, guys. Thank see you. you then.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds?